understanding how to get your company moving forward, especially from a development perspective, from a product perspective, can be very difficult, especially if you are a non-technical founder. How do you measure your dev team? How do you make sure they're doing the right things? How do you understand what needs to happen and when? And is it even going the right way? Are you on the right path? Well, Phil Alves came in and he shared all of these things with you so you can understand how to make sure that things are moving forward in the right way, how to make sure you're building a better product than your competitors, and how to make sure that your company moves forward successfully. So definitely check this out. There's a lot of great stuff in here, a lot of good tidbits of wisdom. He's got great experience. I think this is really going to help you. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here is your host, Matt Wallach. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS. Really excited to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks for listening. I am Matt Wallach, and my goal is to help you scale your SaaS. We're going to help you grow your company through more leads, through knowing how to close those leads, and scaling your team so you get an amazing exit. If you are not subscribed yet, make sure you're subscribed. Hit that button right there. That way you're going to hear about all the cool tips that we have coming for you in the next few weeks. Definitely make sure you are a subscriber. We have some great subscribers who are looking to grow their company. Make sure you join them. And today is a great episode. I'm really excited for today learning about what we're going to learn from Phil Alvis. Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you here. Let me make sure everybody knows who you are, Phil. So Phil, he's the founder at DevStats and also DevSquad. He led the build of over 100 SaaS products for bootstrap founders and VC-funded startups alike, leading multiple clients to multi-million dollar exits along the way. Now he has DevStats, and I'm excited to join him and, and learn all about what DevStats does because it gives you X-ray vision into your development team's performance so you can deliver timely high-value projects to satisfied stakeholders. Once again, Phil, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Great to be here. It's super great to have you. So tell me, what's been going on with you lately and what's coming up? Yeah, so the weather is great here in Utah. So I just, I'm flying a lot. Uh, when I'm not running my business, I'm a pilot just for fun. So I have that's what I have been doing lately uh, on top of working on building my, my companies. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm super jealous. I've always wanted to be a pilot. And this is two guests in a row who have who have a private pilot's license. And so I think it's a sign for me that I need to go out and get my pilot's license. I've always been an aviation enthusiast. I think I need to do it. You should. It's fun. Good for you. That's super cool. So tell me, what gave you the idea to start DevStats? How did that come to be? Yeah, so for the longest time, I always have this goal of building high-performing development teams. And that's what my consulting firm was about about was about helping people build their products and give them a development team that's actually high performing and that can deliver a lot of value. Uh, and so that's been a topic that I always study uh, because I want to make sure my team uh, deliver the most. And I actually, there was some research that was made by Google, Google sponsored uh, called Dora Metrics, and then from there, uh, a couple of software products start to be built to try to solve that problem to help companies measure what matters. So we were using one software, and the software was pretty good, and, and they got sold, and the company that bought the software uh, made it pretty bad. 
And so I was like, forget it. I'm just going to build my own. And I have a lot of experience in that field too. So <laughs> that's kind of like how it started. That's so cool. I find that necessity is the mother of invention all the time, but that's really cool that you did that. And uh, when you get started on something like that, was that you know going from doing development for others to now doing it for yourself? Were there any changes that you had to adjust to? Yeah, for sure. Now I have to think about the, the big picture of the, of the whole business, right? And uh, now I'm kind of like in my own customer shoes and, and trying to get the product to market quicker. So there's definitely some adjustment, but I, I had a SaaS product before that I sold uh, and I had just been in this space for a long time. So even though it's kind of different, uh, I really like it too because my, my consulting firm, it got big and I, it was more like in the vision and strategy part. And this allowed me to go back to the doing because uh, the team of Dev Squad is only like six people. The team of my consulting firm is a hundred plus. So it was super fun to go back to like the zero to one stage uh, and actually get my hands dirty. Yeah, that's very true at that stage. Let me ask you, how did you find your first initial customers for DevStats? How, you know, I know it, when you go back to zero, it's like, okay, what do we do now? What did you guys do in those early days to convince people that, hey, this is a platform you should use? Yeah, so uh, we did code, code rich, just code email to, to the people that uh, I believe could could beneficiate from the product, send the emails and try to set demos and, and try to get them on board. And, and I think. I really like that strategy because then you also get to test their messaging. Like, mm -hmm. what is the problem that people are trying to solve? What it's going to make someone answer my email because it's just so much competition and it's the cheapest way to try to get some traction. Uh, like, I think long term, there's other strategies that you can do it. But that's how I did it with my other business. Like, I start with code and that's what I did here too. I start with code and then I was able to get some customers in. Of course, I also had some customers from my consulting firm, but I didn't want to start there because they're big public companies and I, I need smaller, uh, smaller companies using this product at the beginning. Yeah, that makes sense. How did you identify your ICP, your ideal customers? Did, how, did you realize that smaller would be better for the product or where did that come from? Yeah, so what happens, the bigger the company is, um, the more um, like regulations there is. So for example, we didn't have a SOC 2 certification mm -hmm. uh, and that takes six months to a year to get it. Uh, and it's expensive. And it's expensive. So I figure I... If I go to these teams that are like 15 to 50 developers, they're going to be big enough. They can, mm. they can get beneficiate from the software, but they're not going to have so much bureaucracy. So that was just my guess. Like I was, I had a, um, hypothesis and I test the hypothesis, uh, especially after like I start. First, actually, I went over the bigger guys and they, oh, this is awesome. Where's your sock too? I'm like, oh, great. I should, I should know better. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so that's kind of like we went first to the lower market, which is less bureaucracy. And I'm talking to decision makers. I love that. I, I, I appreciate going after the smaller market as well myself. Now, this wasn't your first business. You've had other businesses. Did you feel like you've learned things in those previous businesses that you were able to apply to your software company? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. There's, there's a lot of learning, uh, around strategy, around positioning, around managing people, managing expectations, managing money. So there's, there's a bunch of learning that, that's, I'll translate into this. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I've seen that as well. <laughs> what would you say? People who are running dev teams, what are some of those key problems that they encounter and what are the best ways to overcome them? Yeah. So I think the biggest problem when you're running a dev team is to like measure uh, the output of your team and make sure you get like a big impact, uh, for, for your team. Uh, and how you fix that, uh, 
I believe it doesn't start with buying a product like DevStats. Doesn't start with doing the the like DevOps newest things. You start thinking about developer experience. What is the experience our developers have of your company? What's the culture? What I like to say, uh, I want to make my firm like the Disney for software developers. So, uh, and once you start from the foundation, then it's when you okay, let's. Let's go think about other ways that I can measure uh, performance. Then you can look at things like data metrics. But performance alone, if you don't like associate it with OKRs and with business impact, doesn't do anything. So then you have to find a way to tie all those together so you can protect your team and help your team be more productive and, and, and be successful. But again, it starts with the developer experience. That's the foundation that I believe anyone on a development team should, should prioritize. Uh, and the experience from like the machines that they work, from the culture, from the technology that we use, from like the culture around code, code review, collaboration. The, 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 all those things are important to, to create an amazing experience for the development team. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And thinking of that experience for your development team is, is such a unique perspective. I don't think a lot of people think of that. If, if somebody starts a software and they're not technical, uh, what are some of the metrics that they should be looking at around their development team? What 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 kind of things are they able to get out of dev stats that's going to help them? They can look at things like cycle time, which is the time from when a developer starts a task to, to when the developer finish the task. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can look at data of how well are the team planning, planning accuracy. So like we say we did this, how much of what we say we do, we would do. They can look at collaboration. Are the developers doing code review? How deep is the code review? Is code review being happened? The the system also gonna let them know if someone is likely to be uh, overwork or burnout. Like they're working weekends, they're like getting a lot work going on at once. So like too much work in progress. Uh, they it's just there's a lot of data points they're gonna look at to make sure there's not burnout uh, for those developers. So, but at the end of the day, that's that's the tool that hopefully is going to help uh, even that not technical person communicate in a better way with their developers. Because sometimes when you're not technical, you don't know if your developers are doing a good job or not. Mm. So, like you go back to your performance metrics, which is your daughter metrics, and you're like, okay, this is a that was quite benchmark your team against this industry standards. It was like a research done with over 30,000 companies. So you look at that benchmark and you say, how is my team doing out those six of those benchmarks? Like how we're planning, how much, how much, how many bugs we have, how fast are we moving through things? And then you can see if your teams are performing or not. Uh, now, just because your team is doing super well, it doesn't mean that they, you're creating things that build impact and that's product management but those are two different things but like if you can figure like the, the engineering part then you can go back and okay let's get the product management in the right direction too so hope that makes sense it's a long way to say that there's a lot in there <laughs> yeah no no it's great stuff it definitely makes sense to me uh, i want to ask you know what are some of the traits you've worked with a lot of SaaS companies what are the traits that some of the best software companies have and some of the best software leaders have that others don't I, yeah, so I think 
specifically, let's talk about the best software leaders. Uh, I, I think they really understand their industry and they're very good at casting their vision of mm -hmm. where they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, so I, I believe leaders have to be visionaries and they have to be able to communicate their goals in, in a very uh, simplistic way so their team understand. And there's, of course, frameworks that you can use, like OKRs, um, but uh, great leaders, I believe they're amazing understanding their industry that they're trying to play with. They are very good uh, communicating their vision. And third, I think great leaders prioritize culture. Like mm -hmm. first time entrepreneurs, they, they care a lot, a lot of things, but not usually culture. They're like, okay, let's, uh, let's move fast. Let's do this. Let's do marketing. But like culture, uh, like people say, eat strategy for breakfast. So it's the foundation of, of everything, you know. I totally agree. I love uh, that that feedback and that that sentiment because culture is so critical. And it took me a while to learn that. Uh, you're absolutely right. Once we found the culture that worked for us, I mean, it, it, it just became so strong within our organization. It was something that we could hire to, it was something we could train to, it was something that people just kind of felt. And it helped them become more passionate for the business and what the business business was doing and you could kind of see that people felt connected within each other right yeah exactly and that's why i say it is the foundation before you buy tools before you you make your strategy it is just the foundation that you have to build upon uh, to, to build a strong product and a strong company yeah totally and i i also love that you were saying that you've got to know your customer and that's something that i try to teach my clients a lot is you really have to understand them and get them and really know what makes them tick what do they care about what are they striving for? You know, what keeps them up at night? And part of that is having those conversations and understanding from them what they see and then kind of applying that across, right? Yeah. And, and, and again, I feel like when you're having those conversations, though, a mistake that I see people do, I'm not talking to my customers to understand the solution. I'm talking to my customer to understand the problem. It's my job to make this solution as, as a founder, uh, you know? So it's my job to call the shots, to make the bets, to, to think about the features or, or how I'm going to solve any specific problem. So that's why I believe there's always the outliers, but the people that understand the industry themselves have an advantage because I can mm -hmm. hear uh, from like, I can speak with 30 uh, engineer managers or VP, VP of engineers or CTO and they can get like their problems and they're going to have ideas for solutions, but I cannot build all those solutions. So it's like, it's up to me to understand, to digest the information and it's up to me to make the decision of what we're going to build. I cannot outsource that to my customers. I cannot build a product by have a committee of people and we vote. Like, I don't believe you can build software by using democracy. <laughs> you know, we, we listen to everybody and then you make the decision. Of course, the more insights that you have, the better your decision is going to be. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's very tough to have a committee decide on exactly <laughs> how to do it because everybody makes concessions and it, not, it ends up not being as good as it should be. That's a, that's a great point. How do you see the tech industry evolving over the next five to 10 years or so? And, and how are you positioning your company, DevStats, to make sure that you're ready for that future? I see software development becoming easier and easier, uh, especially uh, with this AI. Like There's tools like GitHub Copilot that we are using every day that's making development a lot quicker. Uh, and there's, I think, uh, in the last many years where there was a lot of money, uh, people 
tend to over-engineer and to over-complicate stuff. But now there's like people are going back to simplicity to make things simpler. So I see in the next five years software development becoming even a lot easier than what, what it is today. Building a SaaS products 10 years ago was a lot harder than it is today. And I mm -hmm. think five years from now is going to be even easier than it is right now. So how you're preparing, I believe DevStats is one of those tools that's making uh, software development easier, easier to understand, easier to communicate your development teams. And I think it's going to be more and more down to your knowledge of an industry uh, and not just to like creating something or writing something. It's, it's getting easier and easier to write products. It's are you an expert? Do you understand the English very well? It's it's more like the thinking. It's it's going to be more more and more important to do the thinking because the creating is going to be easier and easier. That's how I see it. And and I believe big companies like Salesforce uh, that are very horizontal uh, are in for awakening because when it makes super easy to make software, we start to see CRM for construction, CRM for financial advisor, CRM for X, CRM for X. So like I, we start to see a lot of like people really niching down because they understand that piece of the market super well and they can build something for that piece. Uh, and in its big horizontal play, it becomes harder because you don't have all the knowledge. So that's kind of like how I see it. I see that um, a lot of companies going to be starting and going to be successful because how easy it's going to become to build products. Yeah, that's so true. And so if that's the case, if it becomes easier, what can SaaS founders do to make sure that they build strong products, that they kind of stay ahead of their competition? It goes back to they really have to understand their market and to think about the pain point that they're solving and like really do everything they can to, to solve that pain point um, that's that's what founders have to do and uh, and also I think they have to stay focused not trying to to go too many directions uh, <laughs> you know so you stay focused and you stay to where you're doing a good job and um, yeah that's what I think they should do Love we it. should do okay. We, we all should. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So uh, somebody's starting their company. They're setting off on this journey. You've done it. You've worked with others. Phil, what advice do you have for software leaders who are starting out? Uh, I would say, keep it simple. Don't look how big companies are doing today and try to copy them. That's a huge mistake that I see people doing. Okay, hey, Netflix mm -hmm. used this thing called microservice. Let's use it. But if you go look at Netflix, they never use microservice from day one. Actually, mm. just recently, uh, Amazon was like, AWS was like, hey, there this piece of our software, like I think it's their video piece, they'll use microservice, we overcomplicate stuff, and you're going back to the basics, we're going back to a monolithic uh, approach to build software. I feel like as a new SaaS founder, you have to be careful not to overcomplicate, not to over-engineer, and not to uh, be careful with hypes too. Like as you're choosing your tech stack, you don't need the newest thing because that's gonna keep change. You need the things that's the most stable, that's gonna allow you to to keep doing well and the things that has been doing well for the last few years. So so those are like a few of my pointers for people that are starting right now. I love it. Those are great pointers for sure. This has been a lot of fun, Phil. How can our audience learn more about you and DevStats? Oh, DevStats, they can just go to devstats.com. <laughs> and about me, I, I have my own site. That's philalvis.com, P-H-I-L. 
A-L-V-E-S.com. From there, you can sign up to my newsletter. Uh, there's a link to my podcast, uh, SaaS origin stories. So it's everything in there. Okay, perfect. And we'll put all that into the show notes or in the description so that if you're watching or listening, you'll be able to get that and see that. Phil, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. Oh, no problem. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody out there, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. Please make sure you subscribe. We've got some great interviewees coming up, some great leaders like Phil who are going to come on and share their expertise. So hit that subscribe button. Also, we're looking for reviews. If you feel like this is something that's helpful for you, please leave us a review on the podcast service that you're using. That way, that'll tell us this is good and we can start, uh, you know, keep going in the same direction and it helps other people see it as well. So thank you for being here. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallach.com.